This device isn't a spaceship. It's a time machine. Goes backwards, forwards. Takes us to a place where we ache to go again. It's not called the wheel. It's called the carousel. Hello and welcome to the Carousel Podcast. This is Isaac Simpson, your host, and I'm here today with a double episode, two people, um, two people that you will, if you're listening to this, are probably undoubtedly familiar with. One is Catherine, who is Yarden Secret. I don't know why I say it that way in my head uh, on on Twitter. And uh, also we have Mocha, uh, formerly known as Mommy Milkers. And you, I'm sure you also know her. And they are both hosts of a new show, a new podcast on Patreon called Temple of Friendship. So welcome to the show. Hi. So excited. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for joining. So, um... I don't really know what to do with this episode. I I uh, want to know more about you guys, obviously. Uh, I also love this discussion that is going on with Inez Stepman and Anna Kachian today about like Me Too and choking and stuff. <laughs> and I feel like you guys are like the best people to talk to about that. So maybe we can talk yeah. about that. But But before we get into that, you guys have been like satellites on my radar like flying around for so long and like people are always like do you know Catherine do you know do you know mommy milkers like blah, blah, blah. and I, I and like I slowly learned who you guys were but like how did you come to this scene and like what is your role in it are you guys e-girls are you e-girls that's a loaded <laughs> question I don't know I'll let, I'll let Milka take that <laughs> um I'm an e-woman, I guess. E-woman. Um, e-woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I'll start. I came to um, Twitter in, I'm an immigrant, you know, kind of the only child. So since I was little, I was always on like movie forums, you know, very alienated from my peers, kind of smarter than most people that I grew up with. I grew up in Baku, Azerbaijan, which is like, not not a country known for having a lot of smart people so my way to escape was just going online and spending a lot of time on like movie forums and stuff so I was always an online person and um, in 2016 I came on Twitter and I was just very curious about Trump um, so I was like an early right-wing person kind of back in the day when Ricky Wan was still part of Twitter it was just like you know our scene and then I kept getting banned multiple times. And I was just like, okay, you know, I'll just remain like a small little account. And, and when 2020 happened, I just kind of started growing my following and, you know, got a new account. And that's how I ended up on this side of Twitter, I guess. Uh, this side of Twitter, not this part of Twitter. <laughs> Important <laughs> distinction. Yeah. All right. Okay. And Okay. Are you one of those, sorry, but uh, are you right wing because you grew up in some sort of Soviet situation? So I, so I'm half Russian, half Armenian, but I grew up in Azerbaijan and I kind of vividly remember when I was like 12 or 13, um, this 
Azeri person uh, murdered an Armenian in the, their sleep, just butchered them while they were sleeping. And normal reaction from a normal person would be, that's very dishonorable. You don't, that's something that Tucker said, like, right? Like white people just fight face to face. There's honor in that fighting. <laughs> and I remember thinking, this is horrible. I'm going to go back to school. Everyone is going to have the same reaction. Not because I was Armenian. I just thought like, it's just a dishonorable thing to do. You don't kill someone in their sleep. You wait when they wake up and you confront them and you have an honest fight. I go back to school. Everyone in my class thinks he's a hero because he, because he murdered an Armenian. Nobody thinks it's just something dishonorable. And I realized we were different. There are differences in the worldview and maybe some other differences that I'm not going to get into. And that kind of, um, you know, influenced my worldview. And uh, also as half Russian, I'm probably genetically predisposed to being uh, right wing, I guess, yeah, in a way. Right. Uh, so that's how we end up here. <laughs> totally that's a fascinating story it's good it's cool not what i was expecting but uh okay Catherine. sorry you i'm not an old head like monica to use <laughs> current term um let's see it was mostly during covid i actually before covid had never posted like a single internet com and i wasn't on any like forums like mocha um i just was increasingly dissatisfied with the discourse felt sort of intellectually isolated for, you know, just actual the reasons of COVID lockdowns, but also, I guess you could say ideological reasons. And I joined Twitter because I found it to be a really useful substitute for the conversations that I'd been having in grad school and sort of started to feel increasingly disconnected from um, so I was never really super political before that. I guess, you know, I had my leftist phase in college and early parts of grad school, but my dad is like a Ron Paul, you know, boomer, early MAGA supporter who grew up sort of um, <laughs> quoting Murray Rothbard. So I've always had that milieu. Um, and Twitter just sort of was a useful and engaging way i wish i had joined it earlier because it was just like amazing it introduced me to so many different thinkers it introduced it also broke me of the thought that like academics were the smartest people i kind of thought that you know all of these um academic professionals were like the only way that you could have intellectual conversations and then i joined twitter and realized that there was just tons of autodidacts and autistic people who had just sheer volume of reading and i was just amazed by that um so that's pretty, that's kind of how I started, how I joined. Um, and then I guess I became increasingly more transparent and honest about my opinions, which is maybe why I've gotten in a little bit more trouble with that um, as the years have gone by. But yeah, that's how, that's how I got on Twitter. Have you gotten in trouble? A little. I've been sanctioned, I guess you could say. Long housed, maybe. It, like in your like, yeah. professional life? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I uh, the problem with being an e girl, I identify more as an e girl than maybe Mocha does, is because right. I face fag, I post selfies, my vanity outweighs my pragmatism, and you either have to commit to being a true anon or realize that everything that you say is scrutinized, and that's something that's an important thing to learn, and that's something I've increasingly just conscious of. Um, not necessarily in censoring myself, but just being more precise with 
my takes instead of just firing off whatever you know to be provocative like the craziest thing you can think of yeah that moment you have to like refine i mean that's but that to me like that's part of the job you know like yeah i I enjoy that part of it i enjoy the part where it's like yeah i obviously want to say what's in my head but i can't and like that's i'm processing the you know, there's there's rule there's room for both, right? You want the totally off the wall crazy Anon who says like <laughs> shut up, you know, and all the bad words. But then you also want somebody who can process that into like something that is, you know, usable, right? Yeah, like I hate the word like accountability and you know that sort of yeah. thing, but I do think that maybe Twitter rewards it can reward provocation for the sake of provocation. And that's nothing wrong with it, as you said. Like, that's actually very generative and fun and, like, great. Um, But uh, it's hilarious. Yeah, it's it's amazing. But I'm a woman, so that's not in my cards anyway. So (laughs) So being funny is not possible. So I have to be serious. I have to be taken seriously. (laughs) What did Hitchens say? Uh, His famous piece that women cannot be funny because they never had evolutionary pressure to be funny. (laughs) <laughs> yeah is that true do you guys think that that's true it is true there i really th- i mean there's a couple anakachian's pretty funny she, she, she yeah, makes me laugh he's genuinely sure. hysterical yeah john rivers was funny john she rivers was-, was funny but both of them were men basically you know like yeah. is like a man john rivers is a man yeah uh, anna what is, yeah anna has like a male brain for punning yes. which is like really like yeah. incredible and she just has a sort of like perfect like her memory is incredible so she just has this like endless store of of references that she's drawing from but she's maybe the exception i thought it was really interesting when she said here i just have to write down a reminder that i have to edit your because your name is popping up at the top of the screen mocha and i have (laughs) to just remember (laughs) like when you're talking it's popping up so i just have to remember to like edit that out but um yeah, I thought found it really interesting when uh, Anakachian was like, oh, "Yeah, I was on testosterone pills for a long time," <laughs> and I was like, "What?" <laughs> and she was like, "Yeah, that's like a normal thing after you have a baby," and I was like, "That's not a normal thing after you have a baby." <laughs> uh, it, like she she clearly like has very masculine en- energy. You know, she reminds me so much of. I mean, this is completely ridiculous, but she reminds me of like a hot version of Anne Rand, like so <laughs> so much. Do you do you know that Ayn Rand was once um, asked about blowjobs, and she said, "I don't do it for them; I do it for myself," which yeah, is like yeah, yeah. a very masculine thing to do and to say. I think she was more of a she was more of a homosexual. She had taste of a like a gay man. She yeah. had sexual attitudes of gay man, and she had a lot of gay friends, despite what she said about gays. So it's uh, just kind of. What did she say about gays? I, I uh, she said she said something around like she said something like uh she found their lifestyle disgusting or unacceptable but then she had tons of gay friends and things right. like that so it was just like me i'm the same yeah i'm a complicated woman too and i have a lot of gay friends so uh Mocha, if, if Anna Kay is male brained, then Mocha is just gay male brained, I would say. <laughs> I have a taste of uh, aging top, I guess. Like the way- <laughs> <laughs> aging top. 
<laughs> well, who is an like? What is an aging top energy? I can't like even. Brett like Brett Ellis. Is, is there such thing as an aging top? I feel like they all become bottoms after. A long <laughs> no, it's actually the opposite. The bottoms try to the bottoms try to become tops because oh, nothing worse yeah. than being an aging bottom. That's when you're off the market. Yes. No one wants you. Yeah. You're no longer uh, you know kind of young and subtle, subtle uh, like a tw uh, twink or whatever. You just become a top. Like, Peter, like with uh, tops, you know, if you have like, like seal you just you know have endless supply of young twinks until the day you die and your life is a constant holiday so i think it's a, just a very a fun lifestyle to have can a bottom become a top that sounds like that mm. would yeah is that even fire yeah i guess if they try out of necessity out of necessity yeah <laughs> did you guys hear about this whole no asians rule in the party in play scene did no. you see this <laughs> So I just learned about this because I, I I I became fascinated in the story of Ed Buck. Ed Buck was this like democratic like mega donor in LA. Yeah, and like he, black. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember this. Two really black scared. dudes like in the span of like 3 months were found dead in his apartment and yeah. like the whole community flipped out and like came after him even though he was like a big democratic like deal guy. Yeah. And there's a podcast called White Smoke by a gay dude who like went and like investigated like what happened. And it's all related to this thing called party and play or chemsex. Have you heard of this? <laughs> what is chemsex? Um, yeah, chemsex. Is that like poppers? No. So poppers, that's just uh, poppers is just the beginning. That's honey. Se gay sex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so chem sex is this thing that like gay dudes do uh, uh, that where they uh, take meth and GHB. I think it's GHB, whatever the date rape drug is. RGB, whatever. And no, that's uh, RBG. Um, no, she RBG, just died. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And uh, <laughs> and they anyway, so this like makes them super high, but it makes their bodies like super loose, you know, <laughs> and they just like like have sex for like days on it. And there's these houses like it's something particularly like very rich, like wealthy gay dudes do. And so there's these houses that are called party and play houses or just like play houses or some shit. And they're all over California. It's particularly big in California for some reason. Like the guy was saying like on the podcast, like he was like, actually it's like 50% of the gay community does it in, in California and like very little and do in New York, which is just more proof <laughs> that California is just like satanic naturally. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but so anyway, in these houses, these like rich people's houses, they just like, they never close. They just stay open like for months at a time and people just come in and out and they do math and they fuck and they leave. And crazily in California, like all these houses, particularly the rich ones have a no Asians rule. <laughs> no Asians allowed. Well, I was, there's a new movie with um, Natalie Portman um, and Juliana Moore. Oh yeah. Man, she plays like a pedophile she seduces this what yeah so juliana moore plays a woman who seduces like a 13 year old boy wow. and then ends up marrying him and natalie portman comes in and um 
play like she's an actress who wants to play her so she wants to investigate their life and she ends up like falling for her husband it's just a complicated story they could have made it more provocative they didn't it's fine but the husband is asian and uh i just was i was surprised because i was like if a woman is a pedophile she's going after a young boy he's probably not going to be asian but it was gays i always knew that they are actually attracted to asian bottoms that's like very known it's very weird for me to hear that there's a no asians rule it just yeah i don't, I don't know they don't explain why they don't in the in the show. They don't explain why it, mm-hmm. they do explain that like there's in California, particularly there's a ton of like black, like, yeah, like race play, like slave master <laughs> shit. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I think that, yeah, I don't know why there's uh, no Asians. I think it's like they, a lot of them are like very into like dick size and stuff. So maybe that's what it is. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. We're not going to stereotype people. Yeah. Everyone is the same. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, okay, so, um, you wanted let's... to discuss the Anacachian yeah, tweet? Yeah, let's talk about the Anacachian tweet, or it's actually an Inez Stepman who's been on the show. Uh, it's a tweet of hers, but Anacachian, um, like talked about it. So, Inez Stepman says, Okay, so there, there's this uh, new data reveals that women in droves are searching for brutal, extreme porn, ultra-violent porn. So Inez Stepman says, the entire focus around things like choking and faux-violent sex was blamed by left and right on men in this endless discourse when it was obviously women requesting it in casual encounters and men <laughs> awkwardly complying. So right. So I actually like I think a week ago I tweeted something that I um kind of missed all talk show hosts, uh, you know, kind of uh like Charlie Ross and like kind of intellectual conversations that were happening. Um, and then somebody shared a video and I really miss Hitchens. Uh I was an atheist from like the age of ages of 13 until I was 22 and Hitchens was a huge influence on me and growing up I disagree with him on everything now but he was a brilliant man incredibly funny just somebody who was able to come on the show and just overwhelm everyone with his charisma and intellect and all of that somebody shared a video of Christopher Hitchens uh Naomi Wolf uh Rebecca Walker Alice she's the daughter of Alice Walker and they're having a feminist conversation and obviously Hitchens brilliantly interrupts and mentions this woman called Lorena Bobbitt and yeah. she, she murdered her husband and yeah. she cut off his penis and um, the point that he makes is that she when she showed his penis or when she was discussing it she, it's not that she was threatened by it or intimidated by it she was uh disappointed she said he could never satisfy me sexually and he would always finish first and never uh, let me finish and men should take notice they're not angry at you for being menacing or threatening or strong they're angry at you for being weak and you know not able to satisfy them i think that's the whole point of me too you know they're trying to kind of uh, and the men, the type of men that they're punishing, they're not necessarily an over, like kind of overpowering type. Those are the guys who are, you know, probably make me too. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It's, I think it's just like you know, they're daring men to act and like be That's what a, they're supposed to be. The men That's who can a, pull it off don't get me too, in my opinion. Well, and but I, Russell Brand got me too, and he definitely could pull it off, right? 
Yeah, that is true. But like, I mean, have that really stuck? I know there Doesn't was the- have a yeah, it didn't really stick. It's true. It didn't really. It is true that they meet to a certain type of guy. That's definitely yeah, true. Timid okay, guy. To be fair, yeah. Russell Brand has micro penis, which is established. And Does he? Oh, I didn't there is a photo really? evidence of photo. him being naked, and he has a micro penis. Really? And he kind oh. of joked about it too. So maybe they were punishing. The women are punishing him. Yeah, I mean, I've observed that it's not the women like there is this sort of like the millennial woman loves getting choked out. But I think that's because it's not like the patriarchy or porn hub. It's that just men are so weak and women are all of these sort of bullish hill dog types that they women literally need to give themselves a physical handicap in order to maintain <laughs> any sort of power deferential. So there's a very pragmatic reason women today like getting choked out in that in those numbers. But and as is totally right. Well, wait, but what like, do you mean exactly? Like the, the it's explain that a little bit more. Why do they want to get choked? I mean, there's the great Bronze Age Forever tweet, of course, that my favorite one of his ever, which is you know <laughs> women. What is it? We have to look it up. But it's like twenty stallions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like women in the future need to be run over by horses and cars in order to get off. You know. Uh, it, but okay. But why? I still don't. It really weakens totally them a little bit. It gives them. It gives them a physical handicap. And men today, like, are are sort of that that power differential that I think was has always been crucial to sexual relationships has sort of disappeared. And so you see more and more extreme ways of of that resurfacing and you know and in that case i guess it's choking out but um on our I first episode of our podcast we actually are discussing gone with the wind and uh i feel like margaret mitchell had a very uh, forward-looking um uh, approach and she kind of predicted what, what was happening today because the main character scarlett o'hare is a girl boss of her time it's a reconstruction era south she you know she sells lumber lumber incredibly smart you know does math better than any man around her and she you know she's kind of always she looks down on every man in her life because she's stronger than them you know she carries everyone on her shoulders um and basically throughout the book the consistent theme is that she's never actually into sex she's not sexually satisfied and the only time she actually uh is experiencing that sexual satisfaction is her, when her husband um in uh anger because he suspects her of cheating and he knows that she's never mentally loyal to him she's in love with someone else rapes her yeah. um and there's a very vivid description of how happy she was in that moment and she could finally let go of all that burden and, and of all that power and she's a very modern woman in a way so I, I don't think most women felt that way because they were still less powerful than men overall and they you know had less agency but nowadays it's reversed you know a lot of women are are doing a lot of things that they're not supposed to do they weren't doing in the past so that is reversed. So that power differential, uh, differential doesn't exist in normal life. So the only way to have that is probably ask a man to choke you and just feel powerless and weak. And we've right. just talked to men so much that maybe the bedroom is the one place we, we yeah. forcibly give them some power in some ways. Right. It's like... Yeah, it's like kind of like the gay dudes who do the race play and like beat up the black guys. It's like that's what they really want to do, but in fact they Yeah, no, I uh you know, it's really interesting. Monica, what you said is so incredibly smart about Hitchens saying that Bobbitt wasn't mad. 
she wasn't mad at the dick because it was oppressive. She was mad that it wasn't oppressive enough. Like that's why <laughs> she chopped the dick off because she hated it because it like wasn't doing what she wanted. That's like a fucking incredible image just in general. And I think that's exactly what's being said here is, uh, you know, it's like the women, the women, the me too women are mad, not because they have been assaulted, but because they have not been assaulted enough basically. <laughs> Um, but is this re- but okay? I, I know we're being like trollish and funny right now, but but is this really true? I mean, at the at the end of the day, you know, yeah, women have rape fantasies. There is definitely some weird thing about uh, women do have some strange thing about being dominated, right? They 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 want that in some way. But then again, some men want that, right? I mean, there there's dominatrix men also going around. Like men love being dominated by women also, and some in some way. So it's like, is all this just kind of a LARP? And at the end of the day, like, you know, okay, you still want a man to be respectful or is it really true that women would just prefer if we were complete like animals? Hmm. Um, I think on like normal day, like day-to-day interactions, if the way the things were the way they were in the past, they're probably like, you know, cordial relationship respect men are respectful of women and then whatever happens behind the closed doors is what happens behind the closed doors but there's so much I, in, in a sense I actually I'm not a feminist but I actually kind of flinch when people say women don't want to assume responsibility I think women in today's society assume too much of it hmm. if we're being honest um you know women are much more likely to stay and raise their children uh there was a study that said women are much more likely to stay and take care of their uh, terminally ill husband. There's also all sorts, also sorts of roles and responsibilities that women are assuming that they were not assuming in the past because they were sheltered and men were protecting them. And there was this power differential where women, men were more powerful. And today it's completely flipped. So I think they kind of want to let go of some of it and just have you know, the situation in a bedroom where they feel powerless and when man is actually in charge. But I don't think they actually want to be like slapped around and like in real life interactions or things like that. It's just right. like they're feeling too much responsibility at this point. Well, I just think it takes on a dysfunctional character the more that it's repressed and within society, i.e. the more that you have these um, egalitarian culture that wants to eradicate sex difference, the more those like actual sex differences which can't really get gotten be rid of the more that they find this sort of um dysfunctional sort of uh sinister or you know creepy outlet or expression in other ways not creepy that's the wrong word but um it it finds increasingly caricatured forms of expression and so you see also the woman who's like a democrat voter who wants to get choked out whereas maybe you know it would i do think that these probably have increased in proportion to the way that the dating culture is also the pill and like our ability to cure most like venereal diseases too like there was danger attached just to sex in the past like there was you know it was dangerous to have sex because you could get pregnant you could get some venereal disease or like syphilis for example and deteriorate and die all of that danger is out it doesn't exist anymore so like the only way you can actually have some kink and some fear and some sense of danger is by doing like engaging in those like that's right. assembly plays or things like that so i think that that's very true like the the danger is gone you know i think like 
you know, I think it's so funny that we today have this whole notion of like people had way less sex in the Victorian era and stuff. And I actually don't think that that's true at all. I think they were fucking all the time. They just didn't talk about it at all. You know what I mean? And it's like, I, I feel like that's what was sexy then was that you weren't supposed to be doing it. And now it's like, Anakachi and I had another thing on this. It's like, come on guys have sex like you know like in health class it's like have safe sex you guys which is like the least fucking sexy thing in the world like there has to be it's like the stronger the barrier in sex like the more powerful this like the desire is you know and it's like look at the most well and then also it's just like the rise of sex positivity i've always thought it was so strange that the rise of sex positivity which reduced the barriers to having sex you said placed a sort of moral incentive to even have sex as a form of liberation or whatever blah 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 it coincided with um decline in um the biggest one of the biggest declines in millennials and especially zoomers having any sex so i do think that there is something very strange about the way that this um sex discourse has actually made it more unappealing more sort of sterile more egalitarian um and it it is created it's yeah i don't know if they're caused by each other but it's just interesting that they've coincided with each other so perfectly and speaking of gays like there's an entire community of buck chasers i don't know if you heard about it they're like community of gays a, specifically I mean, chase so much about gay culture yeah, in this the, podcast. the names are the best it's like they have, they have names <laughs> i am a complicated really canarian i'm a complicated woman gays love me and they tell me their secrets um <laughs> uh, but yeah there's an entire community of buck chasers who chase HIV, they want to get infected with it. (gasps) This was how the AIDS crisis sort of started, no? It wasn't, but now there's like entire community who does it and they chase it because there's something dangerous attached to sex and they want to have that. Interesting. But also, yeah, I feel like there should be not stigma, but like there should be some sort of like we should protect some uh aspects of sex it shouldn't be so advertised and like available to us and there's a reason why like zoomers are so they're not having sex even in japan 25 percent of japanese millennials are virgins that was like a like a shocking statistic when i read it and i you know i like i i'm i'm, I'm thinking it's going to be worse for zoomers they're not having sex they're not really interested in it and we have more access to it than ever, and it's just not happening. Yeah, it's definitely- Well, I think that's yeah. maybe to go back to the Me Too point, part of the reason the Me Too is like, it has in some way, in a incorrect way, but it's attempted to bring back the acknowledgement that sex is dangerous again. I mean, like it, yeah. it at least acknowledges that it has stakes and it's a misguided attempt at doing that. Um, but well, but maybe it's said. good for that exact reason. Like maybe that's kind of the point that Anna and Inez are making. Like, like it's actually about making things more sexy, right? And it's like maybe, maybe if we're living in like reverse Victorianism, like actually sex is hotter now because you can't like touch a girl at all without being immediately fired. Like, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it's men like- would dare when. Yeah, right. I mean, like, like that, like, 
is that true? Like, is there guys in workplaces, like the ones who are just saying fuck it and like going for it and like they're actually no. doing really well right now? Like, <laughs> I guess that's no, not- I think that women stumbled. I don't think that it's good at all. I think it's women stumble naively stumbling into the recognition that sex is often dangerous, not in ways that can actually be legislated or protected or guarded against with HR policies, but just have to do with the fact that any encounter. And it's not dangerous in some like, oh, you're going to get raped or, oh, you're going to get, you know, your your virginity, you know, like your chastity is going to be marred. But it's just it's dangerous in the fact that it's a complicated emotional affair. And when you see these cases, especially on the college, um, the college sort of uh, Me Too thing scandals, you see that these were not instances of rape, but they were often instances in which women were scorned or women were sort of, you know, treated less than um, uh politely i guess you can say they 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 ended up they were wounded by these sexual encounters and they looked to hr or you know the off you know title nine offices to fix those and the natural response would be um the recognition that sexual mores are actually useful guardrails against um the damage that can occur from sex is just the normal things that come from having sex, which the point of Bap made. Uh, I think he made that point in selective breeding. Uh, I oh, haven't read goodness. the book yet, uh, <laughs> but I haven't read the book yet, but I saw this excerpt where he talks about how in the past there were heavy incentives for men to be heads of families, heavy incentives for men to, to be heads oh. of families, assume responsibility, you know, kind of get married and have children. And, you know, men had to be incentivized by the state, by society to to take on those roles. And he yeah. is like, the sad truth is not that men really desperately want those things, but when in the absence of this, those incentives, they simply don't care. And what I think is happening is that women see, like as Kate said, you know, they... They interact with those men, they have those interactions, and then they end up, you know, their text is ignored, the guy is not really interested, their ego is wounded, men don't assume as much responsibility, they don't want to get married, and women are kind of like, what's happening? Why don't they care? And like, I just want to make them care. And one way to make them care is just to use HR policies and Mm -hmm. kind of, uh, you know, uh, bureaucracy to... um, chastise them but that that doesn't work either you know like but the things that work are completely abandoned or i i don't know if they're coming back but those incentives are gone and in the absence of those incentives you have men who simply like just completely tapped out and uh this is what men women are responding with anger at i guess i don't know and i mean to be fair though i mean i don't like i don't know if you can have a return to sort of that's my issue with the trad thing i don't know yeah. what benefit there are i'm i don't want to you know trash people who are christian and hold those beliefs sincerely but i don't know if those necessarily are the sort of way out of the morass either but i do think i mean maybe this is where i'm more of a feminist than uh is fashionable but i do think that women um I'm I I guess I'm harsh on women because I do believe that women are capable of autonomy and agency. Just maybe they just I just think we live in a period where they don't exercise that. And so the way out is actually recognizing one's accountability in these interactions and um, uh, not in a way that means that they deserve terrible things to happen to them, but that they can enjoy and at least understand um, the power dynamics that maybe they are subconsciously looking for or gravitating towards 
and also in being able to acknowledge the sexual power that women do have, which is significant because as it stands, we sort of refuse to acknowledge that, that women um, uh, are not merely, they're not oppressed. They're not simply oppressed. We do, there are a lot of advantages that come from being a woman. And but notice how women at the height of sexual power rarely come out with Me Too accusations. It's women with diminishing mm -hmm. sexual power who do. It's usually right, actresses yeah. who are in their 40s and no longer. Yeah, and and they, they didn't make it. Yeah, they didn't quite make it. And now it's yeah. like, well, let me get something out of this. You know, so, like, I, yeah, I, it's I, either diminishing sexual power or lack yeah. of sexual power whatsoever. Women who are not particularly beautiful and don't have that ability to have that effect on men who kind of to make those accusations. If you look at Harvey Weinstein case, it was mostly women in their 40s, actresses who were, oh. you know, kind of, uh, I don't want to be mean or anything like that, or past their prime, like, you know, women who no longer have the same effect on men that came out and like, you know. Well, and I feel like that's what these, like, have you read, these articles are so insane because they all have the exact pattern. Like, have you read the article, like the Me Too articles, right? They always yeah. come out and they always have the same exact pattern. It's like intro and then girl number one. It was a Tuesday <laughs> night. And like, you know, like she was feeling kind of blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, the, it's basically like a erotic novel. Like it goes yeah. into like yeah. exactly what happens. And then it goes like, and then he met like girl number two. That's and like the goes, thing. One of the yeah. girls, one of the girl bosses who like one of the accusers. And actually I feel like her accusations were more, more or less serious, which made me go, mm, maybe he, I actually think he's perfectly capable of being a pig. Let's be honest. Yeah. I just don't think he should be chest, like he should be crucified for it. But one of the girls who accused him, she said, I came to his house and she probably expected it like a kind of like a cute sexual encounter maybe he'll call her back again and then she shows up and he's like i have another girl in the bedroom do you want to yeah, join yeah, Please yeah, 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 yeah. and she was you know this is a woman scorned and her response is okay i'm gonna go and accuse him of being a rapist or whatever well but it's, yeah. it's not only like they're not only getting the guy back they're also validating their own attractiveness or like they're validating their own power they were like look i was irresistible like i was this irresistible <laughs> object and like the man could not you know he couldn't control himself oh my god that is so true and discounting yeah. their own desire and their enjoyment that i mean the thing that i always have or i'm struck by with reading with these like especially in the campus ones where you see these women sort of pursued or preyed on by their professors or something is that there's like an a willful naivete that I think is I almost impute some maliciousness to where there's like you're not acknowledging the the like sexiness of this situation that clearly you've bought into and totally. clearly you yeah. enjoy and want yeah. like the older professor or whatever and there's no acknowledgement of that and yeah. I don't even say that in a puritanical way just in a way to acknowledge that that would be a reason, you know, like that, that it's once again, women diminishing their own agency in these things or their own autonomy and their own complicate and, and flattening desire into this like awful, sterile sort of contractual consent based yeah. model, which is just not how it functions for any woman, even millennial women. <laughs> right. But I, I think it's also a question of intelligence. I think a lot of highly intelligent women approach sex as men. 
and kind yeah, of yeah i think that that's very a, true yeah yep. in a very different way so i feel like women are who are making those accusations they're don't pretty, see like, sex dumb. in the same way yeah they're pretty way. dumb like they don't How they're do they very bad at like differentiating not very bad but like i think so much of this is an issue with mixing up sexual power and female power which are not yeah. actually the exact same thing like sexual partner power is a part of female power for sure it's like a very big part of it huh. but like i feel like women have this i i always tell this story and nobody really ever understands what i'm talking about but there's this great did, did you uh you know um otessa mosfeg there's a great uh, interview in right. Harper's Magazine or somewhere where it's this older woman interviewing Otessa Mosfeg and she's kind of like fucking with her a little bit like yeah. like the older woman's kind of being like very like harsh with her yeah. it's like an older uh, writer yeah. woman and she's kind of like so like what is the point of what you're doing like is there any purpose to this like are you gonna ever like get, you know have a family or anything and Otessa Mosfeg goes like I don't even know what you're talking about all I know is that I'm awesome, my friends are awesome, and we're just going to keep being awesome. <laughs> and like, it always really struck me that it's like women, and I have a daughter now, so I really see this. Women are like taught that they're princesses, right? Yeah. And a princess is not just an, a, a, a princess is not really a sexual object. They're beautiful, right? And people want them, but their magic is much more complicated than that. It's like, you know, the baker loves them in the morning and the, you know, like they're, they're giving out like alms to the poor. Like they're these kind of like magical beings Yeah. and women grow up wanting to be this magical being and they want yeah. the world to acknowledge yeah. you're a magical being. Right. And I feel like that's like what female power wants to be and like is, but when women run up against a Harvey Weinstein, they're thinking the entire time, Harvey Weinstein recognizes that I'm a magical being. And then they run face first in the fact that Harvey Weinstein just wants to fuck you. You know, that's that's the <laughs> only thing he wants. And that's yeah. like so upsetting to them because they're like, I thought I was like magical, you know, like I thought I thought it was like more than that. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, you deprive them of their uh self-mythologizing yeah. tendencies yeah. that they have. And to my point again, it's like I feel like highly intelligent women understood and kind of approach sex the way gay men did. Like they seek danger, they kind of appreciated those encounters, no matter how brief they were. Like I was reading if Babbitts and Babbitts has like I always say she has a mind of a gay man and she always says that sex itself is a form of art and you know you kind of have to appreciate it and you know she dated guys like Jim Morrison and Harrison Ford and like other famous people who she never me too she never said that they were mean to her cruel to her and then they always they came to her aid when she was in danger and I feel like this is like kind of something that is reserved for highly intelligent women and that's why when Polly says the thing that she said about how women are ought to approach sex like after sexual revolution I think what she misses is that not every woman wants the same thing not every woman views the sex the same way and she kind of dismisses female tendency for self-mythologizing what you said when they want to see themselves as princesses and the guy you know after brief sexual encounter has to call them back and treat them nicely and see them as princesses and that is that is what's missing and um i think that's why women like another reason why they're lashing out who mm -hmm. are you saying who was it the you, the example you just used Eve Babbitt? Babbitt? yeah what is it 
She's actually a, an LA icon. I talked about Babbitt. her. Alex, yeah, Babbitt's at Alex. Oh, yeah, you have to listen to the podcast. Alex yeah. episode for this. That was great. Mm-hmm. She's brilliant. She's, uh, she was, uh, she's a woman was, she, um, she was Stravinsky's goddaughter and there's a picture of her. She was? Yeah. Wow. I had no she clue. Was, she was Stravinsky god, Stravinsky's goddaughter. Uh, dated all those famous people. Um, and she, there's a famous picture of her playing chess completely nude. Um, it was in New York Times and she has those big Kazar uh, milkers. I don't know. She, <laughs> she was a Michelin. Her dad was Jewish. Milkers. Was from I was Texas. Say, I say, uh... <laughs> Mommy milkers alt. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. And she said that sex itself was a form of art and she always seek those dangerous encounters and whatnot. But it's oh, a I very, see the very... picture. Yeah. Wow. Those are some Kazar milkers for sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I think that the intelligence element, I, I completely agree with, with both of you that, uh, that's it. You really notice that it's like intelligent women, they're in the room with the professor and they completely understand that it's hot, you know, yeah. like they, they know, like, this is a hot situation. <laughs> Whereas another woman who's not as intelligent, I really do feel like they will be in that situation. And the professor, of course, is like all he can think about is banging this girl. <laughs> and and every professor ever in history wants to bang their students. Do not tell me any single one does not. And so, you know, he's in there like probably just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And like the smart girl is getting it with him. But the dumber girl, she might literally be just like, I'm thinking about my essay. You know, like maybe she really doesn't understand. You know, I don't know. Um, well, I think a lot of sexuality is before below the radar of consciousness. And so I don't think that those dynamics, I mean, maybe it's not the professor, but in like, let's say a more traditional masculine person, I think that there is maybe a tension between what women say they want and you know, like that's not a new point, but that there's stated versus revealed preferences um, and they play out in dating. But it's only in Me Too where those have become actually fraught in that women subconsciously pursue one thing and then punish, you know, uh, for for punish the men who enact those things. Maybe I think it's both. I think what we said in the beginning with uh, Lauren Babbitt point was Hitchens where they're punished men for being sexually inept and yeah. incapable of satisfying them but it also they're punishing men for not delivering on the follow-up after brief sexual <laughs> encounter they still want to be treated as princesses they still want yeah, yeah. they yeah. want to get that text back you know they want to see, yeah. know that the guy still wants some after sex it's yeah. complicated women don't know what we want you know that's the point of being woman and it's very hard to crack it but I guess. <laughs> well, would you would you say that egalitarian dating culture, like like Mocha, do you feel like growing up dating, like you learned like the rules? You know, remember that book from like the nineties that was like maybe the last gasp of yeah. these sort of like ultra sort of semi trad, you know, protocols for how you as a woman navigate dating. Do you feel like you had that, or do you feel like you? had to relearn that older when you learned that, you know, it's actually hookup culture isn't, is a minefield. I am, uh, you know, I approach sex on average, like a man in terms of like, I don't <laughs> care. I'll just whatever. And then when I fall in love, I just, I feel like it mostly ends up being mutual. So uh, yeah. I've been lucky in that regard. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I don't expect like anything after like a brief sexual encounter that I, you know, was not even invested in. Like it just, it, it is what it is. It's fun. Goodbye. So you don't feel like pain. No, no. But it. when I wanted a guy, like really wanted a guy, when I knew he was the guy that I wanted and I had real chemistry with, it always was mutual. So it was never like hurt in that regard. So I don't understand what a woman in that situation feels when she is. And uh, I just imagine that's how scenario plays out. Yeah, that's the thing I've always thought had an issue with trads about is it's like, it's not like the one night stands that a woman racks up that damage yeah. her. It's love. It's like the boyfriends yeah. that damage you. And yeah. that it not even necessarily because they're shitty boyfriends. I like I've, I've had a wonderful dating history. I think of all of my exes like fondly in their place. But I think the more traumatic thing is just going through continual heartbreak in your 20s. Like that to me is the more deeply traumatic black pill anti-modernity take that I have is that is much more damaging than whatever, you know, I'm not- You're not supposed to mourn those who are alive. And I feel like in our lifetime, which is unprecedented, we basically lose people that we spend, you know, pretty long amount of time with. And then never see them again. And that's not, you're not supposed, and you're mourning them in a way that you would mourn somebody who died. So basically you lose repeatedly, like an average woman dates, what, like before she gets married, she has like three, four, five boyfriends. I don't know, whatever. And those are people who are important part of your lives and, and of your life. And mostly they're gone and you never see them again. And you're not supposed to experience that loss and you do. And this is what kind of, um, and, kind of creates this environment where people are, you know, how like some people say I'm not incapable, I'm not capable of love after 30 because I've experienced so much loss. It just made me cynical. And you're not supposed to be that cynical by, you know, by the time you're 30. It is yeah. historically unprecedented. I mean, like obviously heartbreak has existed forever, yeah. but that sort of repeated continual um heartbreak that is just a product of delayed milestones, that does seem like more historically anomalous um yeah and that stuff that really is way harder on women than men i think really yeah i think that that process you're talking about like the bonding and then the bonding and then ripping apart which is like as you're saying it's completely inherent to today's world even not even in the friendship context, right? We, you know, we move to a city and we have these best friends and then boom, where are, you know, we move yeah. to another city, they're gone forever. Like, I, I think that that process for women is way harder. And if you mm-hmm. look at like the anger that women have towards the world, I think, I mean, I saw it happen yeah. to my cousin, like to a T. Like yeah. she was this sweet young woman, always like the nice girl in the room you know what i mean like always like the 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 level-headed one the sweet cute one and she dated this guy that clearly was like the one for her and i think she completely was like resigned to being with him and then he broke up with her he went on and got with some other girl and she was never the same after that like she after that like genuinely like she became really involved in politics <laughs> you know she became like started like campaigning for hillary you know like like immediately it's just so and she just never like she she kind of like got in bad shape like she really i don't i literally do not think she got over that happening and i think that like you know hell hath no flirt fury right it's like 
men, men, the thing with men and pair bonding is like men are ro- more romantic than women actually in their heads. So they have this like, uh, th- they will really make a woman like a big deal in their mind. Like they'll be like, this is the girl, this is the girl, this is the girl, right? But the actual, they don't like physically bond with the woman in the same way. Like women literally like, physically like attach you know and men don't have that as much like men will emotionally like the, the, their dreams will be shattered but yeah. i literally think like i see how it is with me and my wife like we have like a physical connection that's like if she lost that it would be way harder on her than me you can just like feel yeah. it, you know I don't know. Well, you can sort of settle a debate that's been going on the GCs. I don't know if you're familiar with Mart posting, who is the sort of <laughs> maiden Mart, 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 Mart you know, <laughs> sorrows of the, the modern young Verther, sensitive young man who um, had this tweet recently that uh, women never experience heartbreak in the way that men do. And that sort of prompted this discussion. And I think, I mean, I, this is just no, classic. He's totally battle. wrong. He's completely wrong about that. This is classic battle of the sexes discourse that can never really be resolved. But yeah. Um, I think what meant women love you for who you are and they fully accept you with all your flaws and like kind of. Yeah. And they just love you a person who is in front of them. And men have this idealized version of a woman that when it doesn't work out, the version of the woman that is in their head just kind of shattered and break like it breaks, but not the human being that is in front of them. And that's why I think women experience heartbreak break more acutely than men but just that's my take i think they they maybe experience it like more acutely i like i i see what you're saying like in terms of like it can be hard on them in a different way but i think that like the process of bonding and rebonding bonding and rebonding with your community with your loved one i mean women are really supposed to like bond with somebody at what, like 14. I mean, like what's it's like really yeah. fucking early on, you know what I mean? Like, and, and to spend pretty much your whole twenties, as you're saying, like entering and then exiting those situations is like rough. Whereas men, like we're basically supposed to fuck 8 million girls. Like we're supposed to fuck yeah. as many girls as we can, you know, more or less. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. So women are not the more romantic sex. Uh, they're more romantic, I think, in their like. Women are way more like savage than men. Like, like women are much more under. As you're saying, they accept accept people with all their flaws. They're the people who like are gonna wipe your ass when you're dying at ninety. You know, like they're much more practical. Women are a lot more practical, whereas men really have these like fantasies of you know, white knight fantasies, you know, I think. <laughs> and, and we really like build girls up in our head of like, that's, she's the one, like, she's incredible. <laughs> and then, but like, again, I, I just feel like the physical part of it of like banging. And if you don't like turn that on in your head, look at Leo. I mean, Leo can fuck 80 billion girls. It never affects him. You know, he it's like, it never really matters. I think that women are more less equipped to be alone 
And so most women, I'm not talking, obviously there's a different strata of women that I'm not referencing, but I think women are less equipped to be alone. And so I think that actually makes them a little bit more resilient in dealing with heartbreak than men who can kind of really take themselves out of the dating pool you know, yeah, like really you see this phenomenon of the guy, I mean, like the, in whatever we could touch the incel question, all of those sort of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think that, um, because men can sort of survive alone, um, they tend to internalize relationships and become much more sort of trigger shy about, um, entering relationships in a way that women just don't like, I mean, for all of the heartbreak and all of the sort of ways that maybe it impacts your ability to love and be a good partner, it changes those things. Women, I think are pretty resilient in that very few of my friends are like, I'm not dating anymore. I'm not going to, you know, I'm done with men. Um, yeah. Maybe say that, yeah. Whereas men always, are definitely more capable of doing that. I feel like sure. men yeah. and women don't experience yeah. loneliness in the same way as to your point. And also I feel like the world is much more indifferent to men than it is to women. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's definitely true. There was this, I forgot her name. I think her name was Nora. There was this trans writer. She was a lesbian. And then she kind of decided to prove a point that the life would be easier as a man. And she, Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) And she became a man. And then when she realized how indifferent the world is to Mm -hmm. a man in a way that it would never even be to the ugliest of women, she killed herself. Oh wow! Oh, wow! I thought that it just ended. I thought this was a just a TikTok. No, yeah, no, I, thought, I, I feel like I remember this TikTok. I don't remember the death, but no, uh, there's an actual. She didn't be trans. You, they didn't say dead name or something. She killed. Her. <laughs> no, she killed her, and it's actually. I think a lot of people that we like like her. Like Alec, I think is into her. She was a, became a libertarian as a guy, <laughs> and she was a libertarian. Like he was a libertarian writer, whatever. And then she, when she felt how lonely and alienating it is to be a man. Yeah. Uh, and be an attractive man, especially without any power. You know, I just can imagine how lonely and terrible that existence is. And she just killed herself. Isn't well, this also a Greek myth? There not there a Greek myth <laughs> about one who does both? And then Hera asks, which one is better? Oh, and she says, is that, yeah, no, not how does that go again? Um, uh, it's it's Zeus and his wife are, are trying to settle debate and... Yeah. Um, who is this character? Oh my God, what is his name? But yes, he's 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 been cursed before, um, and is living as a woman, and then as a, I think a serpent, I want to say or something like that. And he he concedes that um, women uh, enjoy ten times the sexual pleasure that men do, right. which makes yeah. Hera very angry, and so she turns <laughs> right. him into the snake. I think, or she turns yeah, him into that is it. That is in it. the metamorphosis. Right. No, yeah. women's yeah. sexuality is a bottomless pit, and uh, I think. Uh, Firstly, you just I mean this whole Nora thing is very tragic and sad but you just explained how we could change the voting demographics in America I guess you go trans you go right wing and so (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's really a simp problem this is what women do not understand the simp the simp problem the pernicious simp oh I we understand we love simps or e-girls It's just there. The problem is in any given scenario, there is a minimum of 20% simps. And so when you have a situation where there's 20% simps, the perception of a woman is that inevitably is that all the men are simps because they, the the 20% fill so much of the time of the woman 
that women get this completely warped reality because they're huh. thinking all the men are like this, right? Well, yeah. really actually very few of them are. You know, uh, I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. But I think actually men sort of course correct too much for that because they sort of think, oh, every man, like, you know, this woman is like surrounded by these simps. Like if I am nice to her, she's going to immediately think of me as nothing more than a simp. That's and true. It's yeah, sort of, yeah. sort of overcorrect a little bit. Yeah, and, yeah. There's and, definitely an overcorrection for sure. The, simp, well. yeah, yeah. the simp phenomenon like doesn't make a dip. Like the woman, a woman, like the behavior like I've had a, I've had people say to me, well, you have so many people, you know, like you, you're a beautiful, you're like, you're an attractive woman. You must, you know, like, I don't need to say that to you. And I'm like, no, that's the person that you want saying it to me, not, <laughs> not the other. <laughs> um, right. But it's, it is, yeah. it is weird the way that men have adapted to an unfair sexual playing field by that behavior. I mean, it's I definitely men's fault. I, I blame men for all of this. I, I, I literally do not think any of like this is actually- Like a good actually... sexist should. Like a good, you yeah. can't be a true Twitter misogynist unless you ultimately realize that men are responsible for all men's these- Men's fault. It's women, definitely you know. fucking men's fault, man. But it's particularly white HP. men's fault. White men, <laughs> it's really white men's fault. And not even like Gentile white men. It's yeah. really Gentile white men have allowed this to happen. And it's really like their fault. Wow. Because they just allowed themselves to get totally like, just they completely allowed themselves to get sidelined like in every way. And they have this instinct to, you know, they have this overwhelming instinct to like, it is so incredible how different a man treats a woman, just your normal everyday average man treats a woman than treats a man. Men are yeah. like burnt. We have the desire so much to cater to women, you know, like we really, huh. we really want to. And that desire in the workplace has been like utterly weaponized and used to destroy all men, you yeah. know, because, and, and men just did not have the balls to, to say, at least men in the West, right. Did not have the balls to say, uh, no, you know, fuck you or no, like, yeah, if you're going to become working with me, you're going to have to suck my dick like occasionally on the <laughs> side. You know what I'm saying? Like, whereas other men in other like societies, that's always how it is. I mean, it's like mm. it's not even, you know, they don't even think twice about it, you know? I don't um, know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think a lot of great men were simps. Uh, if you look historically, Napoleon was definitely a simp, you know, <laughs> like the guy who they just made a movie about was a simp. And uh, speaking of having this true. idealized version of a woman in your head, that was that was what Josephine was for him, right? Like he had this image of a beautiful aristocratic woman who gave him a shot when he was nobody and he maintained she was it was holding. What do you call her? Kate was holding Arto. <laughs> yeah, holding her uh, yes, I think simphood can't. I don't know why anything about Napoleon, by the way. Yeah, yeah, That's she funny. she did help advance his military career. I don't care what anyone says. She did kind of use her connections to help him to gain uh important posts and whatnot. And he was a simp. Uh, and I'm guessing there were a lot of men historically who were simps who actually never stopped them from achieving greatness. And I think. In a way, when the power dynamic was different, it was kind of adorable, right? Like to yeah. have this woman that you kind of conceit. love and adore and like um, just kind of admire her from the far and 
things like that. Just it's different now because all those girls are so available to everyone else that it just, you know, kind of. Well, it's also like when you look at the muse, I mean, people talk about a lot about the muse of these. You read like the period that, you know, early Renaissance poetry that places like it literally puts pussy on a pedestal. Like, but actually it's different because the power dynamics were different. So it was it was a conceit. It was a sort of false display of modesty. And what you actually realize when you read these, you know, I'm rereading Sydney's Astrophil and Stella. And what you realize is that the muse exists purely for the production of this artistic product. And by the end, it's not even really about like the biographical muse or whoever she is. It's about, it's, it's an ability, it's an opportunity to sort of produce uh, the poem at the end of it, which ends up superseding the actual person. And so it's like this, useful gesture but it's not actually today it's different because women have all of the power so it's it's the same way with this you know like the blm the guy like the the white people washing the feet of the black mm-hmm. of, of the protesters it's it actually is just subservience rather it's not than only just an average white person that's uh pope as well who does that <laughs> <laughs> which is uh i have a very uncharitable view of catholic church was what you always argue about but it's like (laughs) i'm not even a really a catholic and yet i'm drawn into these defensive postures yeah yeah we haven't Um, even touched it (laughs) no nothing never mind (laughs) um all right before we go we got to hear about your guys's like plans for the future so um you know i mean are you guys gonna make a career out of this like are you guys what's the plan for the podcast like tell me what's going on in the future with you guys i think you're both very smart i think you guys are really smart and really insightful and i hope that you know you guys like put this stuff on paper it's not all just gone in the wind of (laughs) (laughs) well i'd like to leverage a career from being a twitter socialite so podcast career will you know hopefully the podcast takes off called the parallel economy okay it's not (laughs) let's just call it the parallel economy (laughs) (laughs) mocha you go first what do you think what do you see our pod like what do you hope for our podcast i hope to grow our following to the point where people are actually reading books Uh, i mean i don't feel the need to make money of it i just really want to encourage people to read and enjoy the stuff that i do like i'm with the one that's the book that i grew up with literally my first introduction to american south and kind of just american culture in general um you know romance and relationships between men and women and i really wanted that to be shared with people who you know would listen to this so if people are reading the stuff that i'm reading and enjoying it that would be great and i want to do it in a way that a lot of i feel like a lot of discourse on the right especially about art is so um discouraging and stupid like i saw somebody shared their (laughs) list of books uh (laughs) that everyone should read and it was Brothers Karamazov of an alchemist. I was like <laughs> the alchemist. Yes. Alchemist. I was like, what is this? Like, I yes. always knew that yeah. alchemist was like the most mid book you could oh, read. Oh, the alchemist and, is the most mid book of all time. It's and then you put that next to brother Karamazovs. Like, as a Russian, yeah. I'm so incredibly offended. So I just yeah. want to have people to read good, really good stuff. They didn't read Brothers Karamazov. If they, if you read Alchemist and you did not read Brothers Karamazov, yeah, like, like the Brothers Karamazov was, was so was so influential on me yeah. that Ivan's perspective made me an atheist for 10 
full year. Like, <laughs> are you joking? And now you're telling me that it's the same in the same category. So we grow our podcast to the point where people are actually reading and like um, reading in a way that actually matters, where they understand the characters, they understand the writer's point of view, and they want to challenge themselves. That's great. I want to make money of it, obviously. Another goal that I have is I really like, um, I think everyone should utilize the talents that they have. And one of my talents is just bringing people together. So I think we end up organizing events and like cool things that that's great and bringing people together. I think as a woman, our responsibility is to influence people culturally. Women are the biggest tastemakers. Yeah, absolutely. We're not no, necessarily female power, man. Female power is absolutely mandatory. I, I tell this story to everybody. The way I decided to like stop straight up permanently abandon being a normie and like just go full <laughs> on into this was about two years ago, vibe shift era. I, you know, me and Delicious Tacos, I'd been hosting readings with tacos here for like eight years. You know, I've known him forever. Yeah, it it was always like me and my schmucky, like little friends, a bunch of angry (laughs) dudes just like getting trashed, (laughs) like doing cocaine. And then like years, years went by. I always was the biggest booster of tacos. You know, people, you know, he had a Twitter following, but it wasn't like, he wasn't in the mainstream two years ago. I got invited to a reading here forever magazine girls. They have a the reading on the roof of the ACE hotel. And I'm thinking, Oh, it's going to be like every reading I've ever hosted, like seven guys in like a circle, you know, like being, yeah, just like total losers. I show up, it's like 150 people and like a ton of hot girls. And I was like, (laughs) what the fuck happened? And that's entirely female power. Like, like the reason why the distant right is anything is because of people like you guys, because of the forever mad girls, because of the red scare girls, like without the female element, we're just a bunch of complete fucking losers that like nothing is ever going to happen for us. Women are the biggest tastemakers. And I think men who do have appeal to women and um, can actually get bigger because women influence others. Absolutely. we yeah, don't absolutely. create as much as men. We're not as creative as men. What we do have is a power to influence and a power to advance their ideas. That's why all, most salons were hosted by women. I know. Women yeah. belong in the Gertrude Stein. Gertrude yeah. Stein is the original. No, women are the, the incubate. Like men are the spark, the sperm. Women are the incubator. They're the, they take the sperm and they like replicate it, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is why women in corporate environments, they can't have new ideas but they can replicate like good ideas. <laughs> yes. yeah, Women have a canny yeah. eye for power, for identifying uh, insurgent power, insurgent. Yeah. Like we're, we're, it's, we're good at, we're good at rec- latching on, hitching our carts to the next big thing. Very much. I had and I like, and I so- like having smart, weird men explain things to me. So that <laughs> is partially, the con- we have some exceptions for our guests, future guests. We have some very talented female exceptions, but uh, a, a lot of our guests are just like really brilliant men, and uh, um, being able to engage with them on through through literature seems like a really fruitful way, not just to discuss literature, but as a sort of starting ground for other forms of com- for other types of conversation. So um, I'm really excited about that. It's it's a huge like intellectual outlet for me, which is important. Um, yeah. So that's my hope for it. Totally. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining. I will send people to the Patreon um, and to your Twitters, of course. And yeah, stay in touch. 
This was great. Thank you so I much. Know. See you thank soon. You. Thank you so, so much. Good. This was amazing.